So, next Sunday, I don't think this was in the announcements, don't forget next Sunday we will have a candlelight service, Christmas Eve, so y'all make plans to be here that day, it'll be special. We're, I mean, we're not, we're coming to celebrate Jesus, right? We're coming to celebrate His birth and what He's done for us, so, so we need to, it'd be good to be here that day and let's have... Uh, just an intimate time with Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit here and you here and that time of, of fellowship with each other. Um, but all right, I don't think there's any other announcements. Anything else? All right, so let's receive our offering just now. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Some prayer requests. You notice the Fowlers aren't here this morning. They text and uh, they they got the flu bug hit their house this weekend and Three or four of them's dealing with that this morning, so we want to remember Brad Fowler, and I think Logan's pretty sick, and I don't know about Dawson and the others, but Brad said he was woke up sick this morning, so we want to remember their family as we pray. Um, Stacy McNutt, her dad, Ernie, you know he's he's in rehab. He had a stroke, he fell, and but he fell again last night or this morning. Okay, so this morning he fell again off his bed. So we need to pray for no more further injuries to him and that he can keep progressing as he needs to. So we need to pray for Ernie this morning. Um, we need to pray for Miss Jenny Jacobs. She's going through a lot of physical pain. She's here, but we've already prayed for her. We're going to pray for her again. Um, so pray for her. And then you know, remember Basil Mitchell. We've talked about him. And most of you should know that, that he passed away this past week, um, the other day. And his funeral's today. But uh, we need to pray for Margaret, his wife, and remember her in prayer and lift her up as she's going through this time of loss. So uh, anything else just now before we pray? All right, well, let's all join together. Heavenly Father, we love and we praise you. We thank you again for this day and this time together, for, for your love and your blessings on our life, God, that we can come and join together and lift up your holy name. Worship your holy name, God. We thank you that we can come in one heart and one accord and just, Father, we can come to you with anything, God. And you just, you're just gonna, you're gonna receive us, Father. You're gonna, you're gonna forgive us. You're gonna help us. You're gonna help us in every area of our life. And we thank you for that. God, that you're a loving God. We bring these needs to you right now. We pray for healing for the Fowler family this morning, that you touch them. God, that you heal in this area, this flu and the sickness in their, in their life and in their family, Father, that it's gone. And, and God, they, they, they'll just get over this quick, and we thank you for that. God, we just ask for your bid, um, Ernie right now, God, that you touch him. God, we believe right now, we pray health and healing over his life, God, that there's no more injuries, God, that this sight comes back, that his strength comes back, Father. God, we just speak your word over him right now and say, by his stripes we are healed, as your word says, and we believe that for him. The same with Miss Jeannie Jacobs. God, that you touch her this morning. Continue to bring healing to those ribs, that her eyes, her shoulders, this arthritis that keeps ailing her, God, that you touch her right now. Thank you for that. God, we pray and um, we lift up Margaret Mitchell to you this morning that you just comfort her right now, Holy Spirit, with the passing of Vasil, God, that she just looks to you for that strength and comfort in her life, Father, and we thank you, God, that you're working and you're moving. God, as we go forward this morning, God, that you just continue to work and move in people's hearts and lives this morning. God, that we open up and we receive from you even more. God, we're here to learn from the Word and learn from you. And we thank you, God. As we hear the Word, we take it out and produce it in our life. Father, we just ask you bless this time of, of tithes and offerings and giving this morning, that you just touch and bless each and everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen.
Baptist Church this morning. We will be eating the whoever stays for the uh, for the Christmas play. We asked, we asked, we thought there would be more children here, but there will be pizza coming in a little bit. So it looks like that the amount of children we have here to practice after church, there will be plenty of pizza. So if as far as any adults after the kids eat that want pizza, there'll be some pizza here right after church, and y'all are welcome to stay and eat. Um, so don't forget tonight again, we will be having food after the Christmas play. All right, who's ready for the Word this morning? Amen? Amen, yeah. That's right. Good God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We're still in Mark, the book of Mark. We'll be in chapter 14 today. Um, you know, next week we're going to get into, uh, and like I said during the service, we will um, recount and read the birth of our Lord and Savior during this time that we'll have next Sunday and, and uh, sing praises to Him. And so it'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. I've never conducted a candlelight service, so this will be good. I don't know that many we've had here over the years. Do you, Daddy? I know we had one a few years ago, but it, it's been a while. And so, so it'll be different. It's, it's a good time. Um, so I know all of you excited for Christmas, I'm sure. Yes? Yes, ready for it to be here and be over, or just ready for it to be here? Be here, that's right. <laughs> so get to spend time with our families. That's that's what it's all about, and and uh, and praising our Lord and Savior. So, so I mean, there's some people that really look forward to, the, to Christmas Day, and others that that have experienced difficulties in their life that it's not one they look forward to right now. But you know, through the losses and the different things that we've had, that people's had in their lives, and things that they've went through. It can still be a joyous day because of Jesus, right? That's right. So we need to remember that. And, and so Mark chapter 14, Jesus had just had the disciples in the upper room. They had, he had instituted communion with him and breaking the bread, um, showing that his body was going to be broken, and then the, the drinking of the cup of the wine um, and showing that, that His blood that's going to be shed for us and, and the remissions of sins. And so we come, we, we have that, we, we do that here. And, and just, you know, just that time where we're in communion with Jesus and, and saying, hey, I partake in this with you. But like we said last week, how much do we love Him to really partake in it or is it just a ritual, right? Do, do we really love Him enough to say, hey, I'm... This is representing your body broken and your blood shed for me. I'm coming in communion with you. Do we go out from here and live like we're supposed to? Well, not all the time. And so it, with, through that, we know grace and mercy is there for us. But, you know, knowing what he done for us and what we're going to read this morning, we're not reading the, the account of his death, but we want to read as he goes into the garden to pray this morning. And how this ties in with Christmas it's where we're at, okay? But had Jesus not done this, then Him coming here, we couldn't say a Savior was born for us because He wouldn't have completed it if He hadn't come to this point in His life. So celebrating this time of year, we're celebrating Jesus' birth, but we know just because of His birth, if He'd have come here and said, never mind, I don't want to do this anymore, and we know you think Jesus couldn't have said that. Well, that goes into a whole different discussion. But... He did, and so that we can celebrate all of it, just as the songs we sing this morning celebrated all of that. How many, 
How many knew in that last song we sung any of the verses besides the first one? Good. I'm glad I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even know those words were in those songs. Half of them. But but they're good to to recount. I'm glad the words are on the screen and flashing because I'd yeah I'd have known the verse, but that, or the chorus, but that was about it. So so we did all this for us. So it should it should won't. We should want to do more for Him because of what He's done for us. We should want to do more because of what He's done for us. So, so we come to Mark chapter 14 and verse, verse 32. 14 and 32. This was right after the, the, um, the, Lord, the, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper as they call it. And then, um, you know, he, he points out Judas that he's going to betray him. We know Judas leaves and he goes and gets him. Goes and gets the others that are, that are going to come and arrest Jesus. We know that that's about to take place. So in verse 32, Then they came to a place which is named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he, be, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Stay here, my soul. So we talked last week about love the Lord to God with all our heart all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, right? And, and love your neighbor as yourselves. And we said that our soul is our innermost being of our body, right? It's our innermost parts. That's where if he was, when we're sorrowful and he said, my soul, he didn't say my heart hurts, my heart breaks. I you know I don't have these emotions. He said, no, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Why? Because, because he knew all that he was about to endure? Yes, he knew that. He knew that from when he came here, what he was going to endure on the cross. He knew that when he came here, before he ever came, and, and the, you, before he ever came as a man, Jesus knew that he would be um, dragged off. He would be beat and whipped with the with the cat of nine tails thirty nine times. He knew he had a crown of thorns placed on his head. He knew that he'd be hung on the cross with his hands and, and feet nailed to it and dropped down, so he could be the the remission for all of our sins. Right? He knew that. He knew that going in. It wasn't just revealed to him, I don't believe, after he got to earth. No, God said, hey, I need somebody to go, so I'm sending my only begotten son to the earth to be man's sacrifice for all sins. And, and so, Jesus, it wasn't just being as, as things for us. You know, we want things revealed to us right now. If we, if we had our whole life revealed to us from when we got here to when we ended, would we want to live it? If you knew ahead of time all the things that you were going to have to do in your life, how would you handle it? A lot of us, our soul would be sorrowful, right? Because we don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through pain. We don't want to go through agony. We don't want to go through trials. We don't want to go through circumstances. We don't want to go through whatever it is in our life. The ugly, the bad, the good. The good we want to go through. We want it all to be good. But even Jesus' life on earth wasn't all good, was it? It had a good purpose. And through everything that Jesus endured, good things happened. You're here today because of what Jesus done. You're here today because of His completed work of Christ. is why you're here today. And so, if we could see our life, the whole span of it, from start to end, most of us would probably live different. I would hope. He's like, that's good, good. No, that's bad. I don't want to do that. That's not how we get to do life. It would be great if we did, but that's not how life works. 
But we know just as Jesus did, and he trusted in God, we can still trust in God through all those times. And then through the end of it, things will get like it needs to be because God's got a purpose and a plan for all of us, just as he purposed Jesus to do this. So he said, my soul is sorrowful in the death. And, and so he wanted, he said, stay here and watch. He, so he took Peter, James, and John. He's like, why are they more important? He said, I need you three with me. I need you three to go with me. And so, you know, they should have been, what we read about, is they, they should have been, they should have been extra spiritual in their life, shouldn't they? They, they should have been extra because Jesus wanted them to go with him, with him. And, and on further. But he said, stay here and watch. Stay here and be vigilant. Look. Look around. So he went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that it were possible that the hour might pass from him. He said, God, is there any other way that this can happen? He, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Matthew records this as him going back three times saying this prayer to God. Three times. And to think about Jesus, the Son of God, going back saying, Abba, Father, Dad, Daddy, as, as what it comes down to, is, is uh, can you do anything else from this? And we've all been there. God, can you take this pain from me? Can you take this away and make it not make it just vanish? Can I go another road to where it's easier? And we want God to do that. We expect God to do that in our lives. But that's not how it happens. It's not how it works. Because just because we can come boldly before the throne of grace and, and go to God in prayer does not mean we demand of God to do things in our life. That's not what it's talking about. We want things to be easy. We want things to be great. But demanding God do that, He didn't even do it for Jesus. He didn't do it for Jesus. You, you think you're more special than Jesus? I'm sorry, you're not. You're not. We're, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ now that we're in, 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 the, in, the, in the family of God, that Jesus is Lord of your life, but that does not make you more special than Jesus and that He's going to do all these good things for you and not let you endure anything in your life because Jesus went through all this for us. So, we, and there's, there's churches, there's places out there that are preaching that, that God doesn't want anything bad for you in your life. Well, He doesn't. He doesn't want anything bad for you. But that doesn't mean bad time doesn't happen. I mean, they'll preach all kinds of things that, that if you give more, God will bless you more. If He'll do more for you. He'll do all this for you. I saw there's this little, there's this guy on these little Facebook reels that come on. And he's sitting there and he's like, I got my Bible ready for church. And it clips to this some fallacy of a church. And and so this this little girls laying there like she's convulsing. You can tell it's all staged. And talking to the mother. And the woman tells the other woman like she's the prophet or whatever she's supposed to be and says, God knows that you're, you're giving now. You're tithing now. But for your little girl to be healed, you need to give more than what you're giving because that more extra will heal her. That's the biggest bunch of junk. There's nowhere in this word that it says that. That God wants more of your money? No, they want more of your money so they can live better. And there's evangelists out, TV people out there all the time that are doing this and saying this, that are living off other people's money well above what they can give and should give. Anyway, we're not going there. Sorry. Let me get back on. Right here. If it's possible. 
take this from me. We've all prayed this prayer, something we're going through. God, take this away. I don't want it. So, so Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours. And that's where it's hard for us to get past in our life. My will versus God's will. My will for what I want to do versus God's will and what He wants me to do. My will of doing anything that I want to do and it being okay in God's mind and God's sight. That's not the will of God. Whatever you want to do is not the will of God. And we're going to read more about what, what our will is. Let's just turn over there real quick. I'll skip further in my notes for just a second because this goes right along with my will. So we'll start. We're going to read in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. Then we'll go to Ephesians. You know why our will, and we can justify it and try to, we think we're lining up with God's will, but it's still our will? Because our will and our flesh is evil. Because we live in an evil world. You say, but I'm saved, but your flesh is evil. Paul talks about it a lot. So, Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. For I know that in me, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. Nothing good dwells. Nothing good dwells. You say, but I thought Jesus, Jesus' spirit dwells inside of us. But we know our flesh and our mind won't differ than what Jesus wants all the time. And, we, and, and so he says, he goes on to say, for, for to will is to present me, present, is, to, is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not. Everybody been there? I want to do good. I want to do the will of God in my life. Why do I fail? Because, honestly, we don't really want to do the will of God as much as we think that we do. Because we know that that will of God is going to produce, it's going to produce good out of us, but we're going to go through some trying and hard times to, to get to where He wants us to be. And so we, we do it. It sounds good in our mind. I want to be good. I want to do good. I want to go to church. I, w- I want... I want to do all this. We're coming up on the first year and what, what everybody does the first year. New Year's resolutions. Biggest one is lose weight, right? That's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to eat better this year. I'm going to do better. Some people say, I'm going to go to church this year. I've seen it here. We'll start out church in January. Good. January 1st, I'm in the door. I'm doing good. It's third Sunday in January. I'm, I just really don't feel like getting up this morning. I've had a hard week. It's been long. It'll be all, I'll watch it online. I'll do this. I'll, I'll, I'll go next week. And so, for what we want and think is good intentions and good things, our flesh ends up taking over because it's just, just, uh, just sounds good to us. It just sounds good. And so, Paul says, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, that, that God showed up on the road to Damascus and all this kind of stuff and, and called him for a purpose and then he changed thousands of lives while he was on this earth, right? And since then, he's changed millions of lives through his writings, through, through what God done to him, right? So, I mean, he didn't, but he led them to see the goodness of God and, and how it worked for him and can work in their lives. He says, but the evil I do, I do, I will not to do that I practice. 
He said, I don't want to do these things, but I'm still doing them. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I in me. It is no longer who I who do it. There's a lot of eyes, and this can be a little tongue twisting, so y'all just hang on. But sin that dwells in me. Sin that dwells in me. So you say, well, I can blame it on the sin. You can, but who's allowing that sin to still stay in your life? That would go back to I. It'd go back to you not wanting to fully get rid of that in your life, and so you're still hanging on to those things. So Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 is talking to the church in Ephesus. Okay, these are church in Ephesus, not just a bunch of sinners, not just trying to get them saved. No, these are people at church. It's like you're at church at Victor Fellow, you're in faultful this morning. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you. He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So if you're saved this morning, He made you alive in tres- from, and from being dead in trespasses and sins. He made you alive. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in our own flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh, and, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. So it goes back, your will that you want in your life is not, is most of the time, if it's your will, it's opposite of God's will. You say, well, it's kind of, no, we can't be kind of with God. Okay, we can't be, well, that's called lukewarm. And we know what the Bible says about lukewarm, right? He said, I would rather you be hot or cold, lukewarm. I'm just going to spit you out because you're riding the fence. You're playing God on Sundays, and you say, well, it's God's will. I'm lining up with God's will because I'm going to church today. That's great that we're not forsaking the assemblies of the brethren. Okay, that's, that's good. We're, we're, we're doing what the Word of God says. But what are we doing the other six days of the week and that six and a half because that seventh right before we get here and that two hours that we spend here, and what are we doing afterwards? Is our life still lining up with the will of God in our life? Oh, we're going back to my own will because Monday at work I can do what I want to. I don't go to church with none of y'all. I don't work with none of y'all that I go to church with so I can act like I want to. Does that, does that sound any familiar to anybody? Okay, it does to me because I've been there. So our will and our nature is evil in of itself. But I love verse 4. But God. But God. But God didn't leave you or forsake you. God didn't say, well, your will is evil, I'm going to leave you over here. He's like, no, but God, who is rich in mercy, says even though your will is different than mine, I'm still going to love you, and I've sent my Holy Spirit to convict you of your sins and show you that you need to change in your life, and, and your will needs to come back and line up with mine, and I'm giving you this opportunity right now. So he says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, let me just read these last few verses, ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, 
For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared beforehand through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. Through Jesus right here, not bowing down to His, to his humanly desires not to go through this. Through His humanly thoughts of all the pain He was about to endure. And I'm sure not only that, He had 12 close brothers and friends that He, was, he knew He was going to not be there with to talk with every day. You can imagine, Jesus was just as much man as He was God and just as much God as He was man. So there's no, this right here tells me there was a human part to Jesus saying, Hey God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, God, can we do, some, we do something else? But we know God didn't let that happen. So let's read on in, in back in Mark chapter 14. So Jesus is crying out to God on His knees, on the ground praying. There's One of them says that He was praying so hard that His sweat turned into blood. So much agony and pain. So much agony. Not just for what he was about to go through, but knowing that, you know, people would still reject him. They, they still reject him today. They rejected him back then. Everything is about to endure. I'm sure his, his heart and his soul was just breaking inside of him because he, you know, doing what God's called him to do and still people reject the love of God in their life. They still don't want it. They still say, I want my own will. They, they want God. It sounds good that I'm a Christian, but I want to live my own life. I want to live the way I want to, how I want to, when I want to, say what I want to, because God loves me and He forgives me. He does, but that's not His will for you to live that way constantly in your life. All right. So what, what, did, he, what did He go back and find after this? In verse 37, And He came and found them sleeping. The three that he had said, hey, I need you to go further with me and watch. Watch and pray. Just watch. Just be alert. Be attentive. I need you to go with me and watch. They were asleep. They were asleep. The title is, Are You Sleeping Today? Or, or not, are you sleeping? Are you asleep in your life? Are you asleep in your spiritual life? He said, you couldn't even watch and pray for one hour. Just one hour. I wanted you to watch one hour with me. We don't, we don't give God that. Hardly any in our life. I'm guilty of it. Oh, we're here. We started at 10. We've got an hour in, folks. It is 11.05. Y'all have gave God an hour this morning. Good for you. There's 23 other hours in the day. Seven more, six more days in this week, right? What are we giving God the rest of the time? I gave Him an hour this morning. Yay. Pat me on the back for that. Give me an attaboy. No, don't do that. God wants more. Okay? God always wants more. So, but Peter and James and John, they was asleep. And he didn't call out. I love how he didn't call out James and John. Simon. Simon, why are you asleep? Why are you asleep? What happens when we're asleep? When you're asleep at night, you're at, one of your, you're at your most vulnerable state, are you not? You don't know what's going on around you. If somebody, you know, unless a dog barks or something happens, you don't know what's going on. Somebody could sneak up in your room and all this kind of stuff. You know that when we're asleep, we're at our most vulnerable point physically. 
And we live our lives today asleep. We're still asleep. The body of Christ, for the most part, if we, if we look around, is still asleep because we see all the things, you know, we're subconsciously kind of, you know, you can see things and, you, you know, we have dreams at night and you can't help your dreams. I'm sorry, I don't care what people say. I don't, I don't know where some of my dreams come from. I think of nothing of this stuff before I go to sleep. I'm not watching TV, and then I have some of just the off-the-wall dreams. I don't know. I can't explain those things. And, and I'm not talking about spiritual dreams either, okay? I'm not, none of that. It's just weird dreams. And, and so, we're, we're still, we can still be asleep. All the things going around in the world, we see it, kind of. If you pay attention to any of the news, you see it. But we really are not doing anything about it. You say, well, what's, what, what can we do? We, well, one thing that we need to do and we need to be doing more of is on our knees in prayer, praying for each and every one that we know is in leadership of our, of our local government, our state government, our federal government. We need to be in prayer for those, right? Because the Bible says pray for those. Pray for those. And, and so we, we need to pray that, that God would work and move and bring a boldness in our own life. That we would not be asleep and just these things creep in. And then next thing we know, everything's all right with it. Because we've kind of accepted those things going on. We, and so we don't need to be asleep just as the disciples were asleep. We can be asleep spiritually in our life. You can be here this morning physically and spiritually not hear a word I'm saying. So I'm hearing, but are you really hearing? Does it, is it going in? And doing anything else besides coming back out and you cluttering it up with everything else you need to do today and thinking about those things? Are we doing that? I know how easy that is. I've sat there for years and done the same thing. Knowing that I need to receive the Word of God and hear it and use it in my life and do those things, but yet I go out of here spiritually asleep. And, and not paying attention to anything going on around me but what I've got in my own life. What I'm worried with. What's going on with me? What's going on with my family? And, and so his disciples were at a place to where Jesus himself, the Son of God, was pleading, agonizing, going through these things in his heart. And he needed some help. I'm, I'm sure we need help praying for each other, right? Jesus needed them watching and praying. Watch, sit here and watch. Be, be alert. And they're over there asleep like nothing's going on. They're over there asleep. And he said, watch and pray. Verse 38. Lest you enter in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. We know and I know, trust me, our, our flesh, my flesh is weak. Just because why? Because our flesh is what we just read about earlier. Our flesh is evil. So our flesh is weak. Just as, you know, J.J. started reading this morning some of Galatians 5, where in, in the, and you go on a few verses back up, it says that the spirit and the flesh war against each other. For they, do, they don't want what each other want. Your flesh does not want you here this morning. Your, your own self, if you, if you really dug into it, and you could have laid there in bed this morning and not come to church and been fine with it. If you just... I mean, if you gave in to your fleshly desires, we could do what we wanted to. People do that all the time that claim to be Christians, that claim to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, but yet don't live the life outside of here that they're called to live. 
there's some of us, just be real, because I know I've, I've, done, I've been that before. Just because I'm a pastor's son and now a pastor doesn't mean I've been perfect my whole life. Not at all. Doesn't mean that I didn't come here for a lot of years during a time period of my life and just slept, well, physically sometimes slept through church. Our sound booth used to be right there, and I remember Marion coming back one day, and I was 18 probably, 17, 18. And you, once you, where the window was, if y'all remember that window there, most of, most of the time it's been covered up, but if you've been here long enough, remember the sound booth back there. And so it was just right at the height to where if you're sitting here, you couldn't see anybody back here in that room. So, yeah, there would be times where I was physically asleep, about time ready to play for, uh, for music time for the, uh, for the altar call. Hey, hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, you can turn some music on. Oh, oh, my bad. Yeah, because I was asleep. Yeah, there has been a few times in church that I've been asleep. So I know how it is to fall asleep in church. And that's not what I'm talking about this morning. But physically I was asleep, but spiritually I was asleep also. Spiritually, I wasn't paying attention to nothing. I didn't want to hear it. I remember Mama used to come up. She's not in here this morning. And during that time period, and she would, I would get up and go to work, and she'd always be up. Sometimes she'd have, you know, fixed breakfast or something. But she'd want to talk in the morning. I'm like, Mama, I don't want to talk about this. And she'd try to talk to me, you know, about doing right and, and put her arms around my shoulder and talk to him. like, Mama, I got to go. <laughs> So, you know, so I was asleep spiritually, but also to a point where I could have been dead spiritually. You say, well, I thought you were saved at a young age. I was, but that doesn't mean that I lived a life that I was supposed to live. I lived my will, my will for years, and it didn't work. It never worked. So we got to get to a point in our life to where we're past living for our will in our life and come back and wake up and watch and pray as we need to. Watch what's going on around us. Be alert to everything going on in our life at all times. And not, not just say, well, you know, I, I'm just ignoring that. I don't want that. That's not how that works because you ignore something long enough, it's still going to be there. You know, just as a kid last night, Tanner, he, was, uh, he wanted more toys. Imagine that, grandparents getting their grandkids more toys. So we, we went to, uh, we had to go to town and, and so he was upset because he couldn't get five toys from Dollar Tree and one toy from Walmart. I've never got six toys. Anyway, that's a long story. So Gabby in the back. And me, I won't, hey, that's enough. Let's nip that in the bud right now. Let's, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. And he kept on. And Gabby's like, just ignore him and he'll stop. Well, he didn't stop but till later. But, you know, that's how we do our kids. You just ignore them long enough, they'll leave you alone. Sometimes. Sometimes they will. Or sometimes, like, Tanner is persistent. I've never got five toys from Dollar Tree and one toy in the same night. I was like, you'll be all right, I promise. <laughs> I love him. But I couldn't ignore him because you know what was happening every time? he. I was like, it's enough. It's enough. And so that's the way we need to be with things going on in our life. We don't need to just ignore all the bad things and hope they get better. No, we need to confront them head on with the Word of God and say, hey, that's enough. That's enough. And then change the way we're doing things. Like we may need to change not getting him a toy every time we go to town. 
as hard as that may be. And and so, you know, it just we don't need to st- keep ignoring the bad things in our life. We need to, to face them head on and wake up because our spirit is ready to go. The Spirit of God, we said, that lives inside of us because it's the Lord of our life. It's saying, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm, I'm ready to push forward. I'm ready to go. Where are you at? Where are you? Why? Because our flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. Just as he was in temptation right there. And I'm sure that the devil was around putting thoughts in Jesus' mind, trying to do everything he can to come against Jesus right there and his disciples and, and everything going on. There was a spiritual war raging so much that we couldn't even fathom what was going on during those times when Jesus was praying in the garden. And so... In verse, verse 38, he said, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. So the same thing. Jesus, hey God, hey God, if there's any way, take his cup from me. Take his cup. If there's any way at all. And so he's praying again. He just, he just got him and said, hey, watch and pray one hour. One hour. That's all I'm asking is for an hour. And, he, and what, he, what happened? When he returned, he found them asleep again. Asleep again, and their eyes were heavy, and they didn't know, what, they didn't know how to answer him. I mean, how could you? It's just like a kid when they get their hand, when they get caught with something, their hand in a cookie jar or something, as we say. We don't know what to say. Uh, it's not me. No, you can't because it's already there. You've already been caught. And so they didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. Why? Because... They let themselves get in their own way again. After Jesus, the Son of God, just told them, watch and pray lest you're in temptation. And I know how it is. You're praying, and, and you feel like you've been praying for 30 minutes. And you look, it's only been like five minutes in the world. I don't know what else to pray. At that point, just be in the presence of God. Just let Him minister to you. Pick up the Word of God and read it. And, and let that minister to you in your life. And, 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 and then as we do that, we're building up our spirit. And we're breaking down what our flesh wants. Because our flesh, you, I promise, your flesh never wants you to pick up that Word of God and pray. And read it and pray. Your flesh never does. What's, what's that urging in you to read the Word of God more? That would be your spirit. That would be Jesus. That would be the Holy Spirit saying, hey, pick up that Word and read it. Hey, you got some time right now. Not everything's going on around you. Let's spend some time with me. Let's spend some time in the Word of God. Let's, let's, let's spend some time in, in communion with each other. I want to be with you. Jesus came not just so He could do this and leave. He said, no, I must go so the Holy Spirit will come. And He said, that's what I want to leave with you. That's what I want. In my notes, but as J.J. was reading this morning... I read over here, let me just read this real quick, in John chapter 14. Because Jesus said all this in verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, that all things that I said to you, all things, 
That's why the Holy Spirit, one reason the Holy Spirit came was so He could bring back what, what, what's being said this morning, what the Holy Spirit's bringing forth this morning, and the Word of God that's coming forth so He could bring those things back to you in those times when you're in your own way and can't seem to get out, and you cry out to the Holy Spirit and say, Help me. He's going to bring things back to you so you can get back in the will of God as you need to and get out of your own fleshly will. Because he goes on and says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't be troubled and afraid. Why? Because Jesus was troubled. And to say he was afraid of what he was going through, said his soul was troubled. But he still went through it. So through that, he can give you the peace that he had. The peace that passes all understanding. So verse 41, then he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Are we still sleeping and resting today? A lot of us are. Just to be honest, a lot of us are. And you say, well, how can you say a lot? Because we still see what's going on around today. And we still see what's happening in people's lives. And, and their own flesh that they let live right there, and their own sin that they're good with living in, and their own lifestyle that they're good living in, and still come to church on Sundays and proclaim Jesus as the Lord and Savior, but still live their own will their other days of the week and even while they're in here, and then they wonder why they don't have peace in their life. Because we don't want to get rid of the sin that's there blocking God's will in our life. We don't want to get rid of the disobedience fully there because we know it's going to make change. But to answer that, it may be God. I'm joking, Miss Pat. <laughs> uh, but so we don't we don't want to get we don't want to fully get into God's will because if we fully get in the will of God as He's called us to, then these fleshly desires have to go. This way of living has to go. This this sin in our life has to completely go. That's to fully get in the will of God. Jesus, at this point. Whether he could have or would have, who knows, he didn't, did he? He stayed true to the will of God in his life through all the pain and suffering that was coming. He stayed true to it. So God's not, God's not got lined up for us to be hung on a cross and, and nailed there, beat 39 times with a whip with all kind of shrouds and stuff in it, that cat of nine tails. I don't, I don't think he's got that lined up for me and you. So what's keeping you and what's keeping us from letting the will of God rule and reign in our life? Are you asleep this morning? Are you asleep at the wheel? Are you asleep in your life? Because Jesus knew exactly what He was going to and He still went on. Reading Proverbs quick before we close. Proverbs is a great book of instruction, of wisdom. It talks about sleep. It talks about slumber. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 4. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Go to the ant. Let's look at the ant. Uh, we all hate ants in our house, but they have one purpose. Just to gather food and go back to the hive to feed the queen, right? That's what they want. They don't want to destroy all your stuff. I mean, that's not their goal, but they're like, 
hey, there's a crumb there, and this leading up to a bag that's open, and they let me in the house, and I'm going to go get everything I can in there and call all my friends with me. Y'all, come on. We hate them, but they have one purpose. We, I mean, you see ant beds, and you're like, ah, there's another fire ant bed. I love running over the lawnmower and just, ah, in my mind, I'm thinking ants are just flying everywhere screaming. It's my mind. And so it's great. But you hate stepping in them because they hurt, because they bite you. Fire ants are not fun. But, and you hate seeing them. We put poison out all around. But they're doing what they were intended here to do. They're building, they're building something underground. It comes up. They get, it's, it's amazing that a little ant can take all that dirt granules and just pack it together and then all the little things. It, it's, just, it's amazing how they do those things. But he says, go to the ant, you sucker, consider her ways, and be wise. They have no captain, no overseer or ruler. Provides her supplies in the summer and gathers food in the harvest. So they, they do what they were brought here to do. They go gather. They bring it back. They go gather. They bring it back. They don't complain. They don't, they don't do anything like that. They, they go do what they're told to do. God's telling us the same thing. You go do what I tell you to do. And then tomorrow when you wake up, guess what you do? You go do what I tell you to do. You go, you go where I lead you to go. We can't get past the complaining part because our flesh is weak. And so let's read on. How long will you slumber, old sluggard? When, you rise from, when will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. He goes in verse 11, So shall your poverty come to you like a prowler and, and, you, and your need like an armed man. So we can stay asleep and not pay attention to what's going on around us spiritually in our life and let our flesh and our own will take over. And then we'll never see the promises of God fulfilled in our life. We will never see the blessings that He has for us fully in our life. We'll never see those things. Why? Because we're still staying in our own way, tripping over our own feet, stumbling and wondering why. Because we've got to get out of our own will and our own way and let God's will rule and reign in our life. Not worry about how hard the change is going to be, how difficult this is going to be or that's going to be, but knowing that we can make those changes and do what we need to do because Jesus is right here and we're looking at Him, the author and the finisher of our salvation, right? And because He came here and was born of a virgin birth and, and then He lived that sinless life and then He died on the cross for our sins and took all the pain and agony that we're reading about right here that He knew He was about to go through, done all that for us and then rose again on that third day. That's why we celebrate. That's why we worship His name. That's why we do those things. That's why we come here to worship and praise Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. Right? We worship this, but we don't, we don't just pray to that baby Jesus, do we? We don't pray to Him because the baby didn't do it. The baby's just the start of it of His earthly ministry, but what Jesus done completed it. Not completed it for us. Amen? Amen. Well, all right, y'all stand this morning. Say this week, just like I do every week, today is the day of salvation. If you're hanging on to your own will and your own way and your own fleshly desires in your life, Today is the day to let them go and walk out of here different than what you came in. And 
you can make excuses after excuses that I'm good here, I'm good here, but I'm doing this all right and this all right. Well, that's just you trying to figure out what line you can walk in, and God, you, you, and, and you still just feel okay. That's that lukewarm stuff. That's that lukewarm stuff where you can't fully get out of your own way and own desires in your own life. So today, if first, for you, for you ever to get to that point, the first step you've got to make is making Jesus order your life. So the altar's open. I'm here. If you've not made Jesus order your life, then today is that day. If you're holding on to things, then now is the time to pray and ask God, hey, forgive me of this.